36 seconds into the overtime. Right. Oh, let's go. Tristan Robbins bangs away at it second time. Close it behind for Kelly. It's in the net. Blades Uncut. Hello, hello. Episode yes. 8 of Blades Uncut is Hi. here, or as uh, you would like to say, a loop-de-loop. A loop-de-loop, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Number 8. There was a lot of response to that last week, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Some tremendous response. I, You know, a couple of chirps thrown your way as well. You know, 14, I didn't see those. 14 goal calls in total. I think a lot of our fans, for the most part, uh, really enjoyed it. And that's obviously a big part of the Les Lazaric that we've uh, came to to know uh, so well uh, over the years. But, uh, yeah, 14 goal calls in total. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the episode, it's episode 7. We also had Chase Waters on for that episode. So listen to the interview with Chase. And then at the very end, yeah, we go through all 14 of them. It seemed like it would never end. (laughs) (laughs) I still have so many questions. Yes, I'm sure you do. But speaking of the feedback that we got from that, uh, Kirk Boyd, Uh, wrote into us saying that he loved episode 7, probably uh, his favorite so far, because he's always wondered about the history of all the Blades goal calls, and he has a suggestion for goal number 11 as well. Splish, splash. Do you think you could work that one into a call list? It might. It might might make it in. Can I put you on the spot here and try to come up with it? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Okay, fine. He's just a deadpan look in his face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, he does acknowledge that it's hard to say, but it sounds so fun and positive. I can't agree more. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. What was your, what was number 12 again? Oh, that was the... Double booyah. Oh, double booyah. Yep. Okay, well, hey, no questions on what booyah meant. Yep, no, that's fine. Okay, so we'll keep that as R-rated. That's right. All right, a little bit of a story behind that. There is. If you want a little bit more, then you can listen to the episode from last week as well. Uh, More feedback, of course. Uh, Wyatt Lawrence uh, writing in saying it was an awesome idea, just the podcast in general, to keep the fans engaged with the team, and it really couldn't have come at a better time. Can't agree with with you more uh, there, Wyatt. Uh, I've been a fan of this club forever. So it's amazing to have another way to support the team. So a huge thank you to Wyatt and anyone else who's writing in because I'm seeing all of these uh, messages. I'm obviously relaying Mm -hmm. them uh, your way as well, Les. And it helps motivate us to continue doing these podcast episodes and trying to come up with some creative and fun ideas at the same time. And the fact of the matter is that kind of feedback lends itself to people wanting to be involved and even sponsor this. That's right. People. That's yeah. nice to be able to realize that there's something good that we're doing here and people want to have their name attached to it. So, yeah. for instance, let's add in Save On Foods. Uh, Save On Foods, now a new sponsor of the Blades Uncut podcast. Let's Save On Foods do the shopping for you. Shop online today at saveonfoods.com. Welcome, Save On Foods, to sponsoring, being a sponsor of Blades Uncut. Yeah, shopping for groceries online is becoming a, more and more popular, too. Well, you had to do it as of March 13th. I mean, yeah. pretty, pretty much you were done. You really couldn't go into the store. I shouldn't say that. I did the entire time. I also wore a mask then. I wear a mask now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm not trying to steal or rob anybody, so it's <laughs> the mask is not there as a, for, for an ulterior motive. It is there to help out with what we're supposed to be wearing masks for. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Well, and speaking of masks, uh, 
keep your eyes peeled on the Blade social media. We might have something for our fans to take advantage of in the coming weeks. Oh, okay. okay. Good. That's all I'm going to say. No, nope, that sounds say. good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another sponsor as well. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors. Mm. Savon, of course, has been a longtime uh, supporter of us. So huge thanks to, to Savon Foods. Uh, VP Restaurant and Bar is also powering this uh, this uh, Blades podcast, Uncut Podcast, located at 1403 Idlewild Drive. Uh, VP Restaurant and Bar. Why not head out? Yes. Enjoy a night out. Why not? A brand new restaurant. I've heard great things about them. Good. And if they're a supporter of Blades Uncut, then they got to, you know, have their heads on their shoulders as well. You got that right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a lot in store for this episode. We spoke with Kevin Kaminsky yesterday. Oh. What a guy. Fabulous. It was, Killer. It was, it was great. The, the stories just flowed. It was, it was wonderful stuff. I loved how much detail he still remembers about his fights. And for anyone who doesn't know Kevin Kaminsky... He racked up over 800 penalty minutes as a blade from yep. 19... I'm putting myself in the spot here. 1982 to 85? 84 80, to 89. Because he, he played in the 89 Memorial Cup That's here correct. in Saskatoon yes. as a 20-year-old. Yeah. But, yeah, great stories out of uh, Kevin. Uh, huge thanks to him. He's up in LaRange right now preparing mm-hmm. for a new SJHL uh, season with the Ice Wolves. Uh, of course, he's the head coach and GM. Very successful as well, winning the SJHL Coach of the Year honors up there. So we touch right. on that. But yeah, most notably, of course, uh, was his tough hands. And a few days ago, of course, uh, and we talk about this as well during the interview. Uh, but uh, we threw up that picture of his legendary helmet. Yes. With gouge marks at the front. <laughs> he, he, st- he still has that. I think it's it's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, no, a lot of fun having Kevin uh, come on board. We talked to him for quite a while. Too, we did. I'm sure that we could have talked to him for a lot longer. Yes, we probably could have, you know, gotten another hour or two out of him. Mm-hmm. A couple other suggestions. Uh, we also yes. had uh, one of our uh, longtime uh, ticket holder and supporters, Ward Hildebrand, uh, write in. Maybe get Wendell Clark mm-hmm. on the podcast. Hey, Braden Holpe, sure. Frank Bannum. Maybe some of those guys. Mark DL, I see on there. DL is on there. So yeah, yeah some some tremendous uh, ideas, and you know, it just kind of keeps the gas pedal floored mm-hmm. in my neck of the woods because I'm trying to get as many uh, you know alumni and former players as we can that obviously have great stories. I know having Wendell on uh, on board as well. He uh, on here, he'd have some great stories for oh, this yes. time playing. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, like I was mentioning, a lot in store for this episode. Uh, let's uh, let's touch on some alumni, okay? okay. Now, there's only one uh, alumni player. Well, I guess you could technically say two if you want to loop in the, the guy that this guy is up against. But Anton Kudobin, of course, uh, with the Dallas Stars uh, backing up uh, Ben Bishop in Game 5. Mm. And whether or not that was the right decision to be made, I don't know. Uh, he had started eight consecutive games for the Stars and was a part of a lot of the success that the Stars uh, had uh, shown throughout the postseason. Ben Bishop gets the start uh, in Game 5 and allowed four goals on 19 shots before Kudobin came in at nearing the end of the first period. And uh, Colorado uh, coming out on top with a 6-3 victory to force Game 6 later on Wednesday. And we're recording Wednesday, so we won't know the result when you're listening to this. Either Dallas will have moved on into the conference final or it will be Colorado forcing Game 7. I think head coach Rick Bonus, and I know Rick Bonus from his days as a player and an assistant coach in Winnipeg with the Jets in the 80s, um, Rick probably just followed the coach's manual, Yeah, uh, the unofficial coach's manual, because the Stars and Avalanche had played Game 4 on Sunday and then came back the next night to play Game 5, and it seems like all teams, most notably the Vancouver Canucks, have gone with a backup goaltender 
in a second game after having played sort of a thing. So, um, you know, we've seen a lot of backup goaltenders get an opportunity in the second game of a back-to-back situation. And I think Rick Bonus was looking at a very tired Anton Kodobin, possibly, and chose to go with Ben Bishop in Game 5. It only lasted 14 minutes of the game, and Kodobin had to come on and play the rest of the game anyway. So I would be very surprised if... As we record this on Wednesday, that on Wednesday night, Anton Kudobin isn't between the pipes for the Stars, win, lose, whatever the case may be for Game 6. And we'll see whether or not uh, that game, that series extends to a 7th Heaven game or if it's over after Game 6 on this Wednesday evening. Well, Colorado is packing a lot of firepower. Oh, Nathan yeah. McKinnon is already into the history books as well. He's such an exciting player oh, to watch. Great player. But the man who's... You know, over overshadowing and watching and making sure that all of the plays are called correctly uh, for the Colorado Avalanche has a tie-in with the Saskatoon mm-hmm. Blades as well. Jared Bednar, the head coach of Colorado, played 28 games, actually began his WHL career with the Blades back in 1990. He recorded six points in those 28 games. So win or lose, whichever team moves on in that series, we're going to have some Blades blood playing in the conference final. Good. Excellent. That's, mm-hmm. that's wonderful stuff. Another guy that I want to mention, and we've talked about him a little bit, before on the podcast is Carter Hart and what he's doing because obviously he's very well versed in WHL and the CHL. He's a two-time winner of the CHL Goal Turner of the Year and uh, playing very well for Philadelphia. So just a quick shout out to to Carter Hart. He made 29 saves in a 4-3 overtime victory, forcing game six against the New York Islanders and New York is looking very strong as well. Would we be wise maybe on one of these podcast editions, Mitch, to have on the head coach, Mitch Love, just to talk about different players that have come through that he has had a hand in because Carter Hart is a former Everett Silvertip. And, of course, that's who Mitch Love was an assistant and associate coach of with the Everett Silvertips prior to becoming head coach of the Blades. So Mitch Love knows well, yeah. of Carter Hart pretty well. Absolutely. I, I think that's a great idea if we if we can get Mitch Love on board. I was talking with him yesterday just a little bit, and um, he's down in Everett right now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's back home and, you know, living the dad life, I guess you could say. Did he get his surgery done? He did, yes. Good. Yes. So health-wise, I, you know, he's he's recovering, and I think he's getting better. Excellent. I can't really, you know, put words into his no. mouth, but I think that things are getting a little bit better health-wise for Good. him too. So uh, it's just, you know, work uh, as per not usual, I guess you <laughs> could say, because usually this time of year the blades are on the ice and, you know, we're we're – in training camp and exhibition play. So obviously a slight change of scenery for him being south of the border and not being in Saskatoon. But yeah, I think that's a great idea to have Lever come on board and shine a bit of a light on some, uh, especially Carter Hart. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. And maybe some of the uh, other players that uh, he had the chance to to watch and help instruct with his role with Team Canada. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be fun to get in touch with him. Okay, let's move on now to the trivia question. Okay, mm-hmm. so a, a decent number of responses for last week's trivia question. Now, we had Chase Waters on board, obviously, and right. the question was, uh, well, it, it ties in what he does in the summer. If you know Chase and if you know the Waters family, you know that they are very outdoorsy. They love to fish. They love to hike. They like to camp. And Saskatchewan is perfect for anyone mm-hmm. who loves doing those things. Plenty of lakes and rivers. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, especially given the circumstances with COVID, everyone's trying to be outside a little bit more. Right. But the question was, name the three major rivers in Saskatchewan. So not a hockey-related question, mm-hmm. a Chase Waters-related question, yes. a provincial question. The answer? Well, we had decided that the North and South Saskatchewan would be combined into one, the Saskatchewan right. River. The Churchill River, I knew. The Assiniboine River kind of catches me by surprise a little bit. I thought it might have been the Coppell River. Oh, down south 
because the Assiniboine River really doesn't have a lot of Saskatchewan to it. It doesn't. It's mostly Manitoba. It is. It goes through Brandon and ends up meeting up with the Red River at the Forks in Winnipeg. Uh, so, I mean, it would be one of the major rivers in Manitoba, to be sure. Is it a major river in Saskatchewan? I guess, based on this answer, yes. it is. Well, we didn't have any wrong answers okay. submitted. So, whoever did do the research, what, what you know, their, their source was... Uh, coinciding with everyone else's source. Good. So, yeah, so that's, those are the three answers that we're going with. Yep. North slash, slash South Saskatchewan. Interesting fact about the North slash South Saskatchewan, the Bow River and the Old Man River link in in Alberta to eventually form the South Saskatchewan. It goes yes. through Medicine Hat, you know, up obviously through Saskatoon and, yep. and onward, but... Uh, anyways, enough of the geography and, you know, the science grade I nine like geography here. Uh, the winner <laughs> is, and we've already talked about him a little oh. bit on this podcast, is Kirk Boyd. So a big congratulations Goodness. to Kirk Boyd. Kirk, you're all over this episode. I know. Just like Kevin Kirk Kaminsky. Boyd theme. We might just have to throw the title with, you know, his name in, uh, in brackets. But yeah, yeah, big congratulations to Kirk. Uh, we'll be in touch in the coming days. Uh, just, uh, you know, looking for your mailing address. We'll send you out a, a swag pack. Perfect. I've name dropped Rebecca Colrus a few times. She, of course, is spearheading these swag packs. So nice. big congratulations to Kirk. Now, we will have another uh, trivia question coming up after the interview with Kevin Killer Kaminsky. So stay tuned for that. And speaking of such, let's just get him on the phone. All right, Mitch. This guest is highly anticipated by Blades Nation. I can tell you that for sure. I mean, he is, I would say, almost a cult figure of what the Blades were, along with many others. I mean, mm -hmm. this guy kind of embodies what the Blades were like back in the 1980s, mm -hmm. when hockey was a lot different played the way it is now. And the blue-collar nation the blue collar fan of saskatoon and area gravitated towards this player and the teams he played on for the blades back in the 1980s of course i'm talking about the pride of churchbridge saskatchewan kevin kaminsky now the head coach and general manager of the lorange ice wolves the saskatchewan junior hockey league but kevin played from 84 to 89 with the blades 183 games 90 goals 240 points and maybe more importantly to a lot of people, <laughs> 823 penalty minutes, most of those coming in the five-minute fighting major variety. <laughs> he was not afraid to drop the flippers. So, Kevin Kaminsky, it is great to have you on Blades Uncut Podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Les and Mitch. Uh, obviously, you know, a little frustrated with the, the pandemic that's going on, but you know what, it's... Uh, it's, uh, after 27 years in the state, uh, it's been uh, awesome to be back home in Saskatchewan, and I enjoyed every moment in uh, La Ronge here last year. And uh, uh, looking forward to another year, hopefully, um, again this year. So we'll just, uh, you know, we're, we got our Ice Wolves hockey school, youth hockey school going on right now, and then we start uh, start our camp on uh, September 18th. So, so the ice is in. You guys are going. You're hoping to start October the 9th. You told me just before we got started that it's been kind of almost like a washout summer as being able to do a lot of things. You were injured. What the heck? What happened? Yeah, I thought uh, thought my injured days were over. <laughs> um, well, I had torn my rotator cuff back in 1998, and I just uh, uh, you know let it heal, and uh, it never, ever did get uh, 100%. 
Um, and then this summer, or not this summer, but after when COVID hit, um, there was only about everybody, all, all the players went home pretty much. And there were six players left and, and uh, the coach and staff and uh, uh, Dave Chartier and X blade mm-hmm, uh, had mm-hmm. the place out at clam Lake. And uh, we were going up there for the weekend to do some ice fishing. And uh, we were just going through, we haven't even hit the lake yet. We were just going, we were hauling all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I just, my hand was getting cold. I'm, I'm soft now because I've been in Louisiana. And, <laughs> I'm sure you've still got harder hands than most. <laughs> and, and California, so I, I, I missed the heat. But anyway, my, hands, my left hand was getting numb, and I give it a little bit of gas, and then my left hand went flying off, and away I went flying. And oh, boy. The first, the first thing was, was not to land on my head and get a concussion. Mm. And uh, so I kind of rolled over, and then I landed on my side and elbow first, and dislocated my shoulder and tore my rotator cup and then how ironic that uh, Cole Beavis our mm. old stick boy yeah. for the blades when I played is uh, orthopedic now in Saskatoon and yeah. ah. he's the one who uh, fixed me up so there you go wow sorry full, full circle I guess <laughs> yeah uh, sorry Kev when, when did that happen that was uh, March 18th March oh so right at the beginning of the pandemic Yes. Oh, so just rest and recovery for a couple of months after that, I bet. Well, yeah, you know what? I just, well, I didn't do, you know, obviously couldn't get in for surgery or anything. Right. So, so yeah, it was, uh, man, it was tough. I mean, it was, uh, it was sore. And uh, Mm -hmm. I got a median nerve damage, and I still do. And I, uh, my, my two fingers and my half of my, my uh besides my middle finger and all the way up my forearm and to my shoulders like all numb and uh so i'm hoping i'm hoping that that they say it's going to go away um but it's uh it's more of a a pain than anything right now just because it's it's you got to rub it all 24 7 Mm -hmm. and just to try and keep the circulation going oh man so you are on the ice right now though you're preparing for a season to come and you're also helping out some of the minor hockey kids up there too yeah we got uh i guess the ice wolves uh killer hockey uh camp going on right now here right in at, at the well not at the mill the mill hasn't got their ice in yet but uh, okay. at the jr uh where the rink is over in air ranch just uh uh wow i don't know probably three miles from the mill uh so yeah we got a hockey school going there we got uh whole bunch of kids uh you know little little kids five years old to 17 years old so mm. we're uh you know we got got that going on from 9 a.m to uh 4 p.m every day <laughs> you got any uh young up and coming up and coming goons uh, you know around those areas <laughs> well yeah you know what actually well we're trying to uh i guess with the game changing i guess yeah. we got to stay away from that now but yeah. uh but we got we got we got a lot of Grecian grit up here. That's what that's what I like. And, oh, and yeah. I tell you what, they got some good skill up here. I I know uh, there, there's some good up and coming kids as well with uh, the ones that we have auto, automatically protected from for for the ice wolves. You're obviously you know you're very well versed in in the game, and obviously what really stands out are your penalty minutes, not only in junior hockey but in NHL. But you're you're a player. You were a player mm-hmm. back in the day too, Kev. You know so. When you look back on on your career as a blade, you know what what really stands out to you the most. Well, you know what I guess I'm not saying that this is. I don't think I get a. I don't think I get enough credit. Whether it was in uh, 
with the blades or in the American league. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there were some couple of years where I had uh, a point a game in the American league. Um, and yeah. plus, plus 300 minutes in penalties. So, you know, I, I, I know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I look back at it now and, uh, um, I had three, um, three amazing years, um, you know, with the blades and obviously I got called up at 15 and I got to play with, you know, my idol Wendell Clark and, oh, wow. uh, yeah. you know, five games there. And then for the next season of 60, well, I made the blades as I was, as a 16 year old, but yeah. I wanted to, uh, I, I lost the scoring race as a 15 year old by a couple points. And I wanted to, uh, stay back, uh, the next year, not only to win the scoring race, but also, to get my schooling because the blades only practice only you can only take three classes in the mornings right and because they practice at 1 30 in the afternoon so i wouldn't have got my wouldn't have got to my grade 12 that year so i stayed back obviously uh it was a great decision and you know i i think i developed a lot more uh worked on my uh skill work um, uh, you know, I, I won the scoring race with 103 points in 32 games, mm-hmm. uh, was MVP of the league and also got my schooling. So, and then I went on to, uh, I felt, uh, except for my last year, uh, was kind of an up and down season with some nagging injuries that I didn't perform as good, but I, I thought, uh, the three years that, uh, was there, we gave ourselves a chance to go to the Memorial cup, uh, every year. And unfortunately, uh, the last year we were uh, one goal short of uh, winning it all. Mm-hmm. Kevin, Mitch on social media put up a photo of an old helmet that you apparently played with. It has gouges at the front. And we asked, guess who wore this helmet? And <laughs> I see, I seen that this morning. 80, yeah, 80% of the responses knew it was you. So uh, no big surprise there that everybody figured that out. But what's the story behind the helmet? Well, and I still, I still have it today. <laughs> there you go, uh, of course. You know, it so, deserves uh, to be in a glass chamber. That's right. Yes, it, it'll be, uh, it, it'll be on the mantle when I, I get a fireplace in a house. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, no, it was just, I, I don't know. You know, you, you always try and I, I, I hated to lose. I, I, I love to win, and uh, I'll do whatever it takes. And, and I don't know if that's gone going too far, mm. but I, I was a. Uh, I considered myself a doctor, so I got the scalpel out and uh, <laughs> doctored up the helmet a little bit. And, uh, oh, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I felt like I stood in there and threw with the biggest and the toughest and uh, go toe-to-toe. Um, if you're going to hit me in the face and uh, if you do miss a little bit, you're going to pay the price with your knuckles. So who were some of those guys that you were taking on back then? Who were the guys that you really had the biggest rivalries with, let's say? Um. Well, you know what? I mean, in in the NHL, I, like I said, you don't uh, play everyone quite a bit, right? So, right. I, I mean, I, I all I, I mean, I re, you know, I fought Ty Domi. Obviously, it was a very good fight at Memorial Cup, and then mm-hmm. fought him once at uh, the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, the biggest one was I remember we were going into Chicago, and it was Bob Probert uh, uh, was playing with Chicago, and I just felt, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my stall. And my old uh, roommate and teammate and uh, Ole Kozig were sitting beside each other, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of like getting focused, and I'm kind of rocking back and forth. And he just said, "Killer, is everything all right?" And I said, "Yeah." He says, "I'm." Uh, 
So I'm going to legend tonight. What do you mean? He says, I'm fighting Proby. He says, he's, oh. getting, old, he's getting older. I, I just got to say I fought the legend. Um, and so I went out and, uh, and, and did that. So, you know, but like I said, it's, uh, it, it's something I enjoyed. I enjoyed the challenge. Like I said, I've, I'm only 5'9", and, uh, you know, you fight uh, Cordic and uh, Stefan Quintel and uh, mm-hmm. Francois Leroux who are – you know, one six seven and six six. Uh, I mean, uh, I, like I said, I enjoyed that challenge, um, and you know, it, it was it was fun to me. Uh, it was a role that I I did in the NHL, um, but I just uh, you know may, maybe I love that side of the game a little too much. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember at Jack Bocus, uh, my old line mate in Saskatoon, and uh, you know, rest in peace, Boke. Mm-hmm. Um, he was when he was he was living in Cal or uh, California and at, in LA he was coaching coaching the Junior Kings for a long time and when mm-hmm. I was in Fresno he had a he had a camp I would go to and I would go visit him we'd do some golfing and we just always reminisce about the old times and he says Killer he says if you didn't fight all the time he said our line would have been right up there with the best and he said you probably would have had more just as many points as Sackett did mm-hmm. and you know I I look back and uh, you know what if I uh, Maybe, you know, again, didn't like that other side of the game as much. Maybe, obviously, I think the points would have been there a lot more. But, uh, you know what, I, I felt like I could do do everything. Uh, I, felt mm-hmm. my, I felt I was, uh, I, I considered myself a very good uh, two-way hockey player that I looked after uh, another one of my idols, Brian Troche, who I think was the best two, is the best two-way player to ever play the mm-hmm. game. And Wendell Clark, who did it all too, um, you know. So like I said I could score. I, I mean, I I didn't care about scoring. It was more assists for me. I was a setup man, but I I did enjoy scoring when I had the opportunity. But mm-hmm. um, but I loved the other side of it too. And yeah. uh, so I tried to I tried to do it all. Um, and it didn't matter who against. Kevin, how could you not get involved in the other side when say you're playing against? the Prince Albert Raiders at the old Saskatoon arena or mm-hmm. up at the Communiplex in PA. How could you not get into that? Cause the rivalry was intense when they were in the league. Oh, it was, it was absolutely insane. You know what? It, <laughs> it, it's so funny today. Like I, I remember some of the kids, uh, I can't even remember where I was coaching, maybe in Fresno or, or Louisiana. And they said, Hey killer, did you see that line brawl the other day? And I'm like, what line brawl? She says, well, everyone was, pushing and shoving and i go that's no line brawl man i go you want to see a line brawl man you should have been playing back in the day you know like and i remember even when we played uh, when it was triple a midget when we had a full out brawl against the humboldt uh humble team mm-hmm. um i mean it was benches were empty man i mean that was that was crazy so uh you know like i said the kids don't uh which which is whatever the game has changed which it should have uh you know, I hope fighting never goes out of it. I, I think the intimidation factor is still there. Now, I think it's more through being physical, uh, getting on the body, creating turnovers that way. Yeah. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, in, in today's game, uh, uh, the guys who are tough and all that stuff, uh, they've got to they've got to play you know play the game as before, where you know players uh, could just do one thing. You know, we're there for one purpose. So, um, you know, it's. Uh, uh, obviously, it's a bigger, faster, uh, 
uh, more skilled game today, but I really mm-hmm. think the, the intimidation factor through hitting, playing greasy, playing gritty goes a long way. And I think that's one reason, or that's a big reason why we were very successful. No one wanted to come and play in the mail last year. Well, that's good small town Saskatchewan hockey for you. Is that there you go. Style, exactly. Right? Exactly. Can, do you think you can put a number to how many line brawls you were a part of, Kev? <laughs> you know what? Actually, I, I was kind of uh, fortunate, or not, you know, that we weren't in that many. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, there was maybe a couple in pro hockey, and then uh, I think we had maybe three or four that were in junior. But again, I wasn't on the ice for all of them either. So. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, so I mean, like I said, there was there was obviously some crazy times uh, where everyone squared off and away they went at her. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, like I said, yeah, to me, I, I still think it was kind of mild that we didn't have more of that stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. Back back then, with with again with the Raiders, uh, uh, with Medicine Hat, you know, they had a tough team. So I mean, yeah, it was. It was uh, it was kind of crazy, but uh, but yeah, we didn't. Uh, you know, I think we played hockey, respected each other, but yeah. when when we did have, it was more of one on one fights than anything. A famous Blade alumnus, Kevin Kaminsky, joining us on the Blades Uncut podcast. Drafted in the third round by the Minnesota North Stars, you played in the NHL, Kevin, with the North Stars, with Quebec Nordique and Washington Capitals, but you also played for the Blades. Who was the best coach that you played for? You know what? I, I I've kind of taken everything from everyone. Um, I like I said. I, I think Marcel let me do my thing. I, I know he had to pull the reins back uh, at times. Um, I think uh, you know. I you know Jim Schoenfeld gave me a great chance up in uh, uh, with Washington there for three and a half years. Um, you know Barry, Barry Trotz was uh, probably probably one of the best coaches that. Uh, I've had, he was a mm-hmm. very good players coach, uh, in the minors. Uh, we, we won the Calder cup with him, uh, in Portland, Maine. Um, when we, when he was with uh, the Capitals as well. And obviously he's gone on to, uh, win the first ever, uh, Stanley cup championship, uh, uh, with the Washington Capitals. Yeah. He's, you know what? He's laid back. He's, uh, you know, he means business, but, uh, he was just, uh, he's a great guy. Uh, you know, uh, always, always looked out for you. Uh, you know, he could, you know, if, if back then, like I said, uh, go for a beer with you um, and just chat about life and just make sure, you know, everything's good. So Trotsky was uh, was a great coach. But like I said, I uh, there, there were a lot of good coaches, like I said, all of them in, in my career. I didn't have one bad coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I learned a lot from from every one of them. And I, I, I really believe uh they all helped me get to, you know, to fulfill my dream, and I was get to the NHL. Let's go back to that Probert fight here for a second, Killer. Uh, do you remember how it all played out, and and how how well you fared against him? Yeah, well, it, it didn't. Uh, said it was only a few punches each, but uh, right. I remember uh, it was kind of uh, they were coming into our zone, so I was tracking back hard and and. Uh, Bob kind of, uh, or Proby kind of, uh, cut back into the blue line and I went for the big hit and he just seen me. So he just kind of sidestepped me 
And so I just caught his arm and his stick, and his stick went flying. Oh, yeah. And uh, he looked at me as like, uh, you little whatever, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm, I'm coming after you. But uh, I, I, the whistle blew, and then I think it was a couple of ships after uh, I kind of ran him by our boards, and uh, we dropped the gloves, and uh, he hit me with a few couple. I got a couple back, and then we then we fell down. So. There was no more uh, hyped bout than prior to the 1989 Memorial Cup here mm -hmm. at Sastel Center or Saskatchewan Place, as it was known back then, yeah. for yourself, Kevin, and Ty Domi with the Peterborough Peets. I mean, the media played that up everywhere in Canada that this was going to happen. It almost like you had to do it, so you did. Did it live up to expectations yeah, as was, far as everybody was concerned? Yeah, I wasn't even born yet, yet I'm very well oh, versed in this I, I, I was here for this. I actually yeah. I actually came from Winnipeg to see the Memorial Cup and partly to see this to particular see Killer boat. versus Domi, yeah. And, <laughs> and did, did it live up to the expectations? Thanks, Mitch. You're making me feel really old now. <laughs> he makes uh, me feel old every week. Yeah, and there, there you go. Um, you know what? I, like I said, obviously, you, you know, you've heard about uh, Ty Domi and and how, how tough he was, and and, and and he lived up to his wow. name, obviously. I, I think a record that will never be broken uh, is his 333 majors in, in the NHL. Um, that, that will never be broken with today's game. Um, but, yeah, no, it was just an op. Uh, I, I kind of anticipated it was the puck was rimmed around, and Ty was kind of going to pick it up on the board, so I anticipated that, and I took a good run at him. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I didn't get all of them, but I got enough of them. We looked at each other, and uh, and away we went. And, um, you know, like I, I think I counted punches. I think I punched him 27 to 14. And mm -hmm. I, I <laughs> got did, the number I, off the top of your head. head. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, I, and uh, I think I buckled him a little bit with the left. But that's one thing with Ty. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen Ty bleed before. And after the fight, man, my knuckle was knuckles were swollen. I was I was bleeding because he said he's got such a hard head that yeah. you, you can't hurt him, you know. So, but yeah, it was uh, you know that that that's what it, that was all about. And you know what's so funny? Uh, whenever I come back to Saskatoon and I'm uh, I'm out and I you know see some buddies, they always that fight always still comes up no matter what, um, you know. So it's. Uh, so yeah, still uh, still in a lot of people's heads uh, mm -hmm. from from the people that were at Memorial Cup, and uh, I, I still get uh, man, that was a that was one hell of a fight uh, with you and Ty, and, and and you know what the coolest thing was is when Saskatoon hosted it again, I think in 2013, if I'm correct. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Ty Ty's boy Max was playing obviously with London, and uh, and and the Blades brought their uh, the 1989 team back, and oh yeah. So after that first night, uh, I think it was Friday, it started, whatever, I can't remember yep. who played. And and so then we were all out at Hudson's, and my old roommate, Dean Holine, I, I'm talking mm. to my cousin and his girlfriend, and Dean Holine is, brings this guy over. He says, killer, look who I found. They go, <laughs> Ty Domi. So so actually, Ty, Ty and I, we hung out actually all that whole two weeks or 10 days, whatever it was, yeah. uh, at Memorial cup. And, uh, 
and, and you know what? We become very good friends. We, we talk every now and then. And, uh, uh, so yeah, like I said, you know, uh, we're, we're warriors, we're competitors on the ice, uh, you know, who's the toughest, uh, you know, and that goes with who's, you know, who's going to score the more goals, who's going to get the biggest hit that that's, that's all part of being competitive. And that's, that's in the big game or in, in the game. And, um, you know what, uh, uh, but, but eventually, you know, especially with social media today, all the people mm-hmm. or all the guys that you fought now, you're all friends on social media and, yeah. and, and, and the, you know, everything's swept under the rug and, uh, now you you share stories and uh, like you said you you become mentors to each other and uh, and and then you live life I, I mean and you try and try and help each other out because I tell you what it's it's a definitely uh, you know I, I'm fortunate I've been in coaching now this will be my 21st year where I, I'm still in the game but a lot of uh, players that uh, you know that don't you know you play for so long and then you got then you're done then it's it's hard to get back into real life you know mm-hmm. um and that that's uh i think that's a uh, a big uh kind of a subject that i yeah. think we need to talk about is you know like you're so used to being in sports and that's that's all you do your whole life and then yeah. once that goes away then how do you how do you, you respond to life like where do you you know go to work you know i never went to college um you know, so I'm going to probably be coaching until I'm 95 and, uh, <laughs> and just keep, you know, like I said, this game, this game is not only, it's been very, uh, uh, I've been very blessed and fortunate, uh, not only to play, you know, while well, 11 years pro, but, uh, triple a midget and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, with the blades and travel all over, all over the world. Um, you know, got the coach under Mike Babcock, my first two years, um, and, and coach everywhere, all over in the states and everything else. And and I and and the the biggest thing for me is the relationships I've built. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, whether it's players or or the people I've met, uh, I still keep in touch with them. Mm-hmm. And, and and to me, the relationships are are a big big factor uh, in, in in my life today. We've touched on a lot of what your career has been about, Kevin. Uh, we've talked about. You know, you touched on the Portland Pirates and winning a Calder Cup, the time mm-hmm. with the Blades, your time in the National Hockey League. Uh, memories are flooding around here. What's your most fun memory, and who maybe are some of your favorite teammates from back in your playing days or even in coaching now? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, i tell you what. There was, uh, I mean, a lot of good memories. Uh, we, I think we uh, pretty much not all of us, but we kind of, a lot of us went to Marion Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had a lot of good, uh, good times there and laughs. And uh, uh, I remember the one time at a pep rally, we, uh, and I think it was in Seattle where they mm-hmm. would, uh, uh, one side of the building would say taste great. And the other side would say less filling. <laughs> uh, we thought it was the coolest thing when, when we were playing in Seattle and, uh, so we, we at the pep rally before the football games on Friday, whatever they, uh, we got half the guys to go on one side and half the other guys and whatever the the pre or the um, 
what do you call it, principal, yep. was uh, talking, and we just started taste great, less filling, and, <laughs> and everybody was just howling. So yeah, it was just you know, it was like I said, good to be uh, part of a great school, and uh, you know, we we got in trouble, but we didn't get in trouble. We didn't <laughs> no. push it too far. Um, you know, like I said, the, uh, the billet families that we had, uh, were awesome mm-hmm. here in Saskatoon. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, again, I, I love sports. I got to play, uh, fastball in the city. Um, I don't, they're, yeah, they're just, uh, you know, your teammates, uh, you know, Chaser and Corey Kosher and yep. Jason Christie and, yeah. uh, God, uh, you know, Dean Holine was a blast. Kerry Clark, uh, one of the best uh, humans around. I mean, uh, like I said, we were, we, it's a bond that I, I don't think, uh, anyone understands besides the hockey world. Um, that, uh, you know, like I said, we're, you're, you're all in and, and, and you're in for one thing and you help each other any way you can. And, and, uh, that, that's what makes a, a, a great team. Well, a great team, like you've already mentioned, and Les also brought up the Portland pirates, Winning the Calder Cup, um, you know, the AHL championship. Where does that stack up in your career, Killer? Uh, and I know that, you know, when you look back on your career, I'm sure there are a lot of fights that also stand out. But where does actually hoisting the Calder Cup stack up? You know what? It's right up there. I mean, uh, you know what? I, I guess I'll just back up a little bit. I, I mean, getting drafted was unbelievable. Because uh, mm-hmm. I was, I wasn't even supposed to get drafted. I never even went to the draft. Drafted in the third round too. That's nothing to yeah. bat an eye at. So uh, it was funny. We were playing. We were playing in a tournament in Regina, and uh, we played like eleven o'clock game. And after the game, we were in the parking lot just uh, shooting the shooting the shit and uh, having a beer or two. And then we were on our way back to the hotel. And Big Brian Glenn and Kevin Blosky were, I think. Uh, just us three and mm-hmm. uh then the radio came on and it said uh, now drafted from the whl you know so and so in the first round second round and third round now drafted from your saskatoon blades uh, in the third round 48th overall to the minnesota north stars kevin kaminsky and i like big brian glenn turns over <laughs> and he punches me in the shoulder killer you just got drafted i go yeah i guess i did <laughs> and uh so it was it was crazy. I guess Lou Nanny uh, at the time, I think, was a GM, whatever. He mm-hmm. was trying to call me, and you know we didn't have cell phones back then. They were calling the house and uh, mom and dad's, and we were in a hotel and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it was, but but yeah, you know what? It was uh, it was awesome to get drafted. It would have been nice to get go there and get on stage and uh, don the jersey. But you know what? Uh, that's this is my story, kind of uh, a little crazy and. Uh, you know, like I said, I was just fortunate to get drafted 48th overall. And then, mm-hmm. you know, again, to play your, to, you know, another one is to play your first game. I, I made Minnesota when I was 19. Um, I got to play the, my very first game in the Montreal form. And that was, wow. uh, that was, you know, that's the Holy Grail, right? So yeah. just to look up at the, in the rafters with uh, all the Stanley Cup champions, banners and all the Maurice Rocket Richard and uh, mm-hmm. all all the great names that have been retired and and all that. So, you know, they kept me around for a couple of weeks after that, and then they decided to send me back down to Sask to the Junior to Saskatoon, which I was okay with because you know we were hosting the Memorial Cup then. Right. Um, 
And then, uh, like I said, uh, I got traded to Quebec that summer after the Memorial Cup. I was with uh, Quebec, I think, for four years. I got a handful of games. And then uh, the first year I got traded to Washington, uh, and Kerry Clark uh, uh, had signed there as well uh, with a big help to Barry Trotz. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, our, we were stacked as a team. Um, you know, Ole the, Col- Ole the goalie Kolzig was our starter. He was oh, MVP yeah. of the league. We had Byron Defoe as a backup. Wow. You know, we had Jeff and Todd Nelson. We had uh, Michelle Picard. We, you know, guys who, after their season, like Jason Allison, who was a first pick overall, he was in and out of the lineup. Uh, Sergey Goncher was in and out mm-hmm. of the lineup. Like, these are uh, – Andrew Burnett, uh, I don't know. I'm not even sure if he played uh, maybe a couple games. You know, he went on to have a hell of a career with oh, over 1,000 yeah. games. I mean, our we were so stacked that uh, we, you know, we had everything. We had – the speed, the skill, the scoring, the playmaker, the grease and the grit and the toughness and obviously the goaltending. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was, uh, and you know what? And, and to win that all, like I said, uh, you know, when you, you, like I said, you're so, you're, you spent every cent that you've had, you're so exhausted. And, uh, you know what? It, it was like, I, I sat in my equipment for probably over two hours, just, you know, talking with the boys and holding the cup and, you know, having a cigar and all that stuff. And it was just like, you didn't want to, you really didn't even want to party. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. You were just too damn tired, yeah. but you know, yeah. <laughs> you found a way. Yeah. yeah. We found a way eventually. <laughs> well, it was, I think, I think it lasted for about two months uh, in Maine. Uh, <laughs> Only two we months. had, we had the Calder cup, uh, old orchard beach and in all the bars and everywhere all over. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, like I said, it was, uh, that's one of the, you know, again, that's about a championship that no one can take it away. And, yeah. and again, that's another bond that's gone above and beyond that uh, uh, to have that championship uh, team that, uh, man, it's just uh, uh, great memories. That's all it is. Great mm-hmm. memories. Okay. So Kevin Kaminsky, the player, we've gone through that. We've got a pretty good idea of who you are as a player, what you've done as a player, <laughs> won championships, won fights, had a great time, lots of great memories and teammates. You're a coach now. 21 years you've been coaching, you mentioned. Last year, came back home to Saskatchewan, GM and head coach of the LaRange Ice Wolves. You're named the SJHL Coach of the Year. Uh, you're also pretty good at that as well, obviously, in order to keep on coaching for 21 years, right? Yeah, I've been again. I've been very fortunate, or I've got uh, I got the wool pulled over someone's eyes. I guess wherever <laughs> I go. So, uh, no, you know what? I I really think, like I said, I, you know, um, I I do so much charity work too as well, and wherever I've gone, I get right involved in the community, um, doing every promo that comes across the desk. And I think that was a again off the ice, as I said earlier on, we were very successful we had uh three guys working at the school um you know we we did uh all the little birthday parties and uh hospital visits here and just just everything that came across the desk that we the boys the boys did such an awesome job uh of doing all that stuff so um and i and i think that led to on the ice you know i and I, I think uh, the last three years before I got here, they only had 28 wins, so things were tough. And mm-hmm. last year we were 33, 19, and six, and we started 0 and five. Yeah, 
Wow. We started 0-5, so we're, from there on in, we only lost 14 games the rest of the year. Wow. So it was uh, once the boys got that taste of winning, man, they they never looked back, and they uh, they found that mental toughness. They they persevered uh, even through when things were, you know, you, you know, I think we did get on a five-game losing streak through that as well. Wow. Um, but they, you know, like I said, uh, uh, I think especially the 20-year-olds that were there for a few years, um, you know, really came to life. Uh, they showed a lot of character, a lot of leadership um, as well. And uh, like I said, now, I, you know, from what I heard, they were only getting 200, 250 fans a game. And, and the last month in playoffs, a sellout's 1,100, and we were getting close to 1,000 every game. Mm. So so for us, you know, like I said, it all takes part of that, getting into the community, yeah. uh, showing our faces, showing what the Ice Wolves are all about, and that brings back the, the people to the rink. And obviously the winning definitely helps. Uh, like I said, so it was a very successful uh, uh, season, uh, both on and off the ice, and, and people are really excited about hockey back in the range again. Well, it stretches well beyond the ice, like you're saying. You know, you got to get out into the community and have the community come on board. Um, a, a question just about the roster, Kevin. Uh, yep. how, how much grit is, you know, in the dressing room? Is it up to Kevin Kaminsky's standards? Yeah, you know what? I, I even had my I had a kid from Fresno, California, Dalen Manon, who uh, who was fourth overall in the league in scoring. Um, hmm. You know, he played he played for me in uh, Fresno one year. He's a Fresno kid. He never even played the year before, but he led the led the league in scoring 151 points in, I think, 51 games. Um, wow. Then he went. Then he went on. He played a year in the Nall. And then when I got the job, my first, one of my first things was to hire my scout Rob Fiola from my hometown in Churchbridge, and the second was to get Dalen Mann in here because I know what he could do. And obviously, you know, fourth overall in the scoring, uh, you know, and it showed. But I think what really where we really kept on getting better or, or, or more cohesive is I, I called Dalen in and I said, Dalen, I go, look, you're our leading scorer. I said, you've seen where we've come. Uh, you know, I said, but I need you to keep leading the way. I said, not through your scoring. I said, I need you to start taking the body twice a game. Mm-hmm. And I want you to block one more shot or two shots a game. And he did that. So when your leading scorer hits and blocks two shots a game that's that's contagious and that's everyone has to do that um and again that's where like i said you know we had lost our goalie down the stretch for 30 games and our backup came in and he went uh i think eight one and one and like Mm. i said but but it was just a team mentality that uh you know stingy d first we take care of our own zone uh we block every shot we get you know, we win the battles at the blue lines, pucks in, pucks out, and uh, and we find ways to win, and and that's what we did. And uh, uh, like I said, and like I said, that like I said, when your leading scorer mm-hmm. has that care factor uh, and shows that uh, commitment, um, like I said, uh, everyone everyone else should be on it too. I think that's great advice for uh, any you know young hockey player who could be listening is mm. find a way you know block that extra shot or th- lay the body a little bit more, mm-hmm. and who knows where your career could take you, right? That's right. Exactly. I I totally agree. It it yeah. goes a long long way. You okay. know that's what that's what scouts like to see. Yeah, you know? absolutely. 
So we've got a couple of fans submitted questions here, Killer. Uh, you have uh, time to answer a couple of these? You got it, yes. Okay, excellent. Well, Joe Lazito is asking, uh, what was the wildest incident involving yourself, Kerry Clark, Tony Twist, and Kelly Chase that you can recall from your time in the dub? Oh, gosh. Um... <laughs> sure, there's probably a, a couple out there. Well, you know what? I don't think it was all, like I said, I don't think we were all on the ice together at that one time, right? I know mm -hmm. it was close in the old barn where, um, and I think that's why they had to go to separate uh, separate warm-ups is mm -hmm. that uh, the old barn there, I think it was in playoffs that us and uh, Medicine Hat uh, just about had a full-out line or uh, team brawl. Mm -hmm. Um but you know what? I, I think the, a funny story, I guess, with that is I, I know um, I didn't make the trip uh, to the, uh, you know, to Spokane and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, but when when they were playing, obviously, Twister and Link Gates, right? Mm -hmm. So so Twister uh, had fought Link Gates down there, and 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 I guess Link gave it to him pretty good. <laughs> so. I think I think half of my hometown of Churchbridge came up for the game when Spokane <laughs> was playing us in Saskatoon because they they knew Link was going to go after or uh, they knew Twister was going to go after Link. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so Twist or uh, Sharky and Twister are uh, roommates. Well, mm -hmm. there's there's kind of a after the whistle there's kind of a scrum and so Sharky's out there. And all, and you and Twister standing up on in the bench, and he's going, no Sharky, no Sharky, you leave him alone, he's mine. Well, Sharky <laughs> fights Sharky fights Blink, and Twister's pissed now. Uh, but Sharky fights Blink, and Sharky does a does a very had a very good fight with him. <laughs> okay. So anyway, through throughout the game, um, uh, Twister and and Link go at it again, and uh, Link gives it to Twister again, pretty good. So, so I guess at at the at the billet families, uh, you know, they had ordered pizza, and the doorbell rings, and uh, Sharky goes, uh, "Hey, I, I won the fight against Link. Losers go, losers buy." He says mm -hmm. to Twister. So, so uh, Twister, you know, Twister is obviously uh, very intense, uh, uh, very tough customer. I know he got uh, uh, he got back at Link for sure. Uh, in the NHL <laughs> yeah. and in the minors and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's just, I guess, one of the stories where, uh, you know, what, uh, like I said, we're we're all very, very competitive, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Sharky's trying to help out his his roommate Twister, but Twister's yelling him no, and and then Sharky, which I laugh at, I could just see Sharky saying, "Hey, losers, buy, man, go get the pizza," <laughs> you know. So uh, it, it's. Uh, but yeah, that that again, that's what uh, hockey's all about, man. Mm -hmm. Kevin, another one we have from a fan, James Ogle. He wants to know what was the best part about playing for the Blades for you. You know what? I I think just uh, the tradition that uh, the Blades had uh, before us. Um, you know, there were so yeah. many, so many very good players uh, that that went through there. Bernie Federko, and I, I know I'm going to miss a lot because. I don't think very good these days. Uh, <laughs> and there are you know, a lot, though, too. Joey Kosher, Dave Brown, I mean, Wendell Clark. Uh, oh, man. Uh, Leroy Gorski, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, just there, there's 
there's so many, like I said, the, the, the tradition that the Blades had, um, and it's just unfortunate they've never, ever won the uh, Memorial Cup. Um, you know, that's what pissed me off the most was not winning it that year. Um, but, you know, like I said, and, and I, man, I, I love the old barn. That that old barn, you know, had the had character. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to come and play us because it was small. It was grungy. Uh, we had tough teams, um, you know, uh, like I said, uh, it, it was, you know, it was, uh, all, all around, like I said, it was, the, the Brodskys were great to, to be with Luby, uh, Daryl Lubinicki was, uh, was awesome to have, uh, as a GM, um, you know, uh, Huey Scobie, who was a scout from my hometown in Churchbridge, rest in peace as well, helped me immensely along the way with the talks when I would go home for summer and, and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think just as a as a as an organization, uh, just the way uh, they brought and and they carried the tradition on uh, with the style that uh, that we played back then, uh, you know. And and uh, the fans loved it. That's mm-hmm. to sure me. Did. It's uh, it's uh, elbow grease and work boots on and punch your clock and it's time to go. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. that to me. That's Saskatoon blade hockey. Yeah. Another one here from uh, Brendan Gasmo. He's wondering who was your first NHL fight against? Who was my first NHL fight against? Um, I guess I'm trying to think. I didn't yeah. fight in. I didn't fight well. If it was, uh, I think it might have been with uh, Quebec, maybe uh, against Gerald Didick. Mm. So, do you remember how you did? <laughs> well, I, I I try to run him. Uh, with his head down and he was frick he's a tank man uh, <laughs> but yeah got up and uh we went at it but uh uh he got me at the end he was he just kind of out muscled me so you, you didn't go with either Gord Donnelly or Sean Cronin with Winnipeg when you were with Minnesota no I didn't oh okay I didn't my, my... you know what and I I don't even think we played them like in preseason we always played Chicago and, yeah Mm. Uh, St. Louis, I think so. Hmm. Okay, my yeah. mem- my memory's fading too. So I, I, you've, got, <laughs> you've got you've got company in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> One more question here, Killer Ward yep. Hildebrand is wondering, and you may have already talked about this game a couple of times already. But what was the most memorable game that you played in as a member of the Saskatoon Blades? Is it safe to say it was that Mem Cup game? Uh, yeah, most uh, uh, yeah, it, it was because. Uh, you know what? I like I said. You 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 know you had some five six point nights, right? In uh, a couple fights, whatever. Yeah, that was all. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. individual stuff, whatever. But um, I, I think the Memorial Cup was was such an exciting time with with the new barn. And I I tell you, you know, like I said, the fans that we that supported us that year. I mean, what did we have? I think twelve, thirteen thousand. Um, at, at, at the Memorial Cup with the bleachers that they built and all that stuff. So, mm. I mean, the the every every game we played was just absolutely jam packed, and uh, like I said, just uh, uh, you know, obviously great great memories. But again, it, it, it's a memory that will always be etched. That uh, you know, we didn't we didn't get it done. It was like I said, it, to 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 have won it in front of your home city and the fans would have just been absolutely, you know, you would have been heroes for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but unfortunately, uh, you know, that didn't happen. But again, the, the, again, the team bonding again and, and everything. And, and like I said, uh, the fan support, uh, the organization support, uh, you know, in Saskatoon was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I tell you what, I, I'm so glad that uh, I was a blade for the three years. And, uh, uh, and, and like I said, nothing but uh, nothing but great memories with uh, great people that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, I played with or been in the organization with or all the fans that uh, have supported us. Well, Kevin, I can't thank you enough for the time we've heard. So many great memories, and, you know, you've told some great stories from your times, not only as a Blade, but, you know, in the NHL and the AHL. Um, I know that you're also busy right now, too. You're preparing for a championship season with LaRange up there, so I really appreciate the time. Um, and we'll be in touch, too. I know uh, there's certainly a, a place for uh, for you in our history books as well, Kevin. We just can't appreciate uh, the time that you took out of your day to, to chat with Les and I. No problem, fellas. I, I appreciate anything I can do to help out the Blades organization, and uh, hopefully someday maybe I'll be coaching there. You never know. You never That's know, right. Kevin. Never That's, know. Yep. Got to get that yep. shoulder healed up first. There though. you go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> good exactly. stuff, Kevin. I, I can still throw with the left, so I'm, I'm good. <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Les. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. Go Blades. Okay, Kevin. Take care. So many stories and so much fun just to have Killer Kaminsky come on board. After that interview, I sent him a text asking if he could send me a picture of him wearing that old helmet that everyone has come to know so well. And sure enough, he did. And he did. I saw it on Twitter today. Yeah. So Outstanding. The pride and joy <laughs> yes, in his wardrobe is that helmet. But yeah, so huge thank you to Killer. Uh, we might just have to have him come back on board, too, because I think oh. we could have talked to him for another hour or two hours or so. Well, especially if they get their season started when they plan on it. The SGHL, as of right now, is planning on an October 9th start of their season. Whether it can happen or not, they really only have two jurisdictions to satisfy in order to get their season started, that being Saskatchewan, where 11 of their 12 teams reside, and the other one is Flinflon, Manitoba, which might as well be in Saskatchewan mm -hmm. because it's right on the border along with Creighton up in the north there. Right. So uh, if they can get going on October 9th, that's only good news as far as I'm concerned when it comes to the WHL's potential start date of December the 4th. Although, man, we've got a long ways to go with some of our jurisdictions in this league in order to make sure that we can get going. We do, and we're still working hard towards that. Oh, yeah. And I think it would be... Great news for the WHL, like oh. you said, if the SJHL does have yep. that October start. But the QMJHL is, seems to be uh, full steam ahead. Ron Robinson said to John Keane on CHNL Radio and Kamloops last week that he was not surprised at that. The fact that they talk all the time amongst the leagues mm -hmm. said, yeah, we knew that they were going to do that. Looks like maritime teams are going to be able to have some fans in the stands, a percentage of, not in Quebec at all yet. So somehow they're going to play games without fans. I don't know mm -hmm. how that works financially, but it, that's yeah. a non-starter for the Western Hockey League. You either get the approval from all the jurisdictions to be able to get fans in the stands, at least 50% yeah. is what it says now. Although I still think that if they don't get the 50%, there's going to be something happening. I, I, In the back of my mind, I really think the NHL might step up and help out and say, we need our guys playing. We need these young guys that are part of our feeder system, our development system, to be playing. Mm -hmm. And I really, really think that if there's no 50% capacity, you're going to see some sort of divisional hubs 
getting going in the Western Hockey League on December 4th. This league is bound and determined to play a full 68-game schedule this True. season. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of different options going by. Uh, right now, it's just what we're working towards is December 4th. Yep. You know, And for anyone who hasn't uh, kept tabs on what the QMJHL is doing, they're in training camp right now, and they're yeah. looking for an early October start uh, for their regular October season. October 1st. Yeah, October so, 1st. Nuts. Yeah, so we'll see. Anyways, uh, let's move on to this week's trivia question. You know, we teased it a little bit earlier. Uh, the tie-in, of course, Kevin Kaminsky. Uh, this uh, theme uh, brings his, not so much his uh, knack of dropping the gloves, but more so what he would do on the score sheet. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't score too many goals as an NHL. No, not in the NHL. He didn't. He, However, junior hockey, he was very capable. And very he capable. to point that out, too. 240 points in That's 190... Right. And yeah. My, 190 games? 190 Look games. Okay. Nice. Sometimes Steel my trap. memory... I, I don't have the best memory, but sometimes <laughs> I do. Anyways, so yeah, so Kevin Kaminsky uh, did score a few goals in the NHL. I'm sure that he probably could have scored a lot more had he not been dropping gloves and sitting in the penalty box so yes. often. But... The question is, what was the date and the opponent in which Kevin Killer Kaminsky scored his first NHL goal? That's a great question. Yeah, it's great question. It took some research for me to find this one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going back into the mid '90s. Okay. And uh, the only hint that I'm going to give is that he was playing for the Washington Capitals. Oh, okay. Because you already season. gave a hint that it's the mid '90s. Yeah. So now you've given two hints. Okay. Mid '90s, yep. and he played for Washington. Correct. Find it. Figure it out, folks. Get your responses in. He calls it one of his uh, most memorable moments in the NHL. Ah, Just from an article that I was reading. Anyways, yeah, so that's what it is. What was the date and the opponent in which Kaminsky scored his first NHL goal? Now, this one's going to take a little extra research, so I might kind of nudge the shoulder of Rebecca a little to throw a little bit more into these swag packs for anyone who does come up with the right answer. Uh, But good luck to anyone who does submit your answer. And if you know it, then head to saskatoonblades.com. Find the Blades Uncut podcast. You can do that by looking at the interactive tab. Scroll down, fill out the form, come up with the answer there. And by random draw, we will declare the winner. And who knows? We might not get too many uh, correct submissions on this one. So odds are if you come out with it, uh, I'd say the odds are forever in your favor. Yep, for sure. Uh, Before we finish off, Mitch, let's make mention of one more sponsor. We now have three of them Mm -hmm. on the Blades Uncut podcast. And the one we have not mentioned as of yet, and it's intentional that we didn't mention it until now because we want to give them a little bit of a chance to shine on their own and that is Tint Center of Saskatoon Saskatoon's premier window film provider at tintcenter.ca or you can call them at 683-3456 thank you to Tint Center Saskatoon for being on board on the Blades Uncut podcast. Thank you, Tin Center, and thank you to all of our listeners. Now, if you found a way to watch it, obviously you know one of the many ways. If you haven't, well, there's Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. there's Spotify, there's SoundCloud, there's iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and, of course, on the cjwwradio.com website. And because of the great work of two guys behind the scenes this week, Jason Pankowicz and Landon young right. we were yep. able to get this edition put together. Mm-hmm. It means that it must have been a tough one to do if we had to have two guys doing it. <laughs> it does take time out of their day, and oh. I got to thank you too, Les, for, huh? for jumping on board because I know it takes uh, time out of your day. I know you're the busiest guy in Saskatoon. No, not right? at all. On not at course? all. On the golf course? Haven't been out there in a while. I'm hoping to do something about that uh, in the not-too-distant future. Um, 
maybe we'll call you and see if we want to get out here one we'll of these see. days. I know it hasn't happened. We got to get Chase out yeah. and got to get Tyler out, Tyler Work, and yeah, yeah, no, a couple of the guys. It needs to happen. Yeah. We just got to get better days. On this day, as we're doing this, it's raining out. I know that's not a good day for golf. Today is not golf motivation, and day. it's also a cool. It's been cool, so we need to, to get yeah. like around twenty-ish at least or mm-hmm. so in order. I'm, I, 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 <laughs> I like to say I, I like to golf in the eighties. And I'm not talking about my score, although I, that would be nice too. But temperature-wise, Fahrenheit, that would be my thing as well. Well, hey, uh, it's a long weekend coming up. Mm. Uh, me and a couple of buddies are heading up north, uh, spending uh, the weekend at an Airbnb out near Christopher Lake. We're nice. playing uh, the Waska Sioux Golf Course. Oh, cool. Is that a nice course? Oh, you'll love I've it. I've heard great things. You'll love it. Just watch out for the elk. Okay. They're on the course at this time of the year. I love it. Well, it's okay. wonderful stuff. A great distraction. Absolutely. Maybe a target. I Kidding. can tell you a story Kidding. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell can you a story. You tell, do you have time to tell the story now? Uh, yeah, actually I do. <laughs> okay. uh, third hole at the uh, Waska Sioux Club. This is many years ago now, about anywhere between 15 and 20. We used to do, a whole bunch of us would get out uh, from the radio station and go out and play a weekend. Yeah. And we'd do Nipawin, Evergreen, uh, very nice golf course out in Nipawin. Uh, Elk Ridge at the time, which is just outside the Prince Albert National Park gates. And of course, Waska Sioux. And mm-hmm. uh, it would be in, in the fall time. Uh, the Blades might be playing exhibition games. We weren't broadcasting them, and so we'd go out and we'd, you know, take a weekend away from the Blades in order to go and and play some golf. And mm-hmm. I remember we were on the third hole at Waskasu. So you got number one, which is the starting hole, a little par four. Number two, which is the par three, way up high, and you shoot down about you told me about that fifty one. feet down into a into a low area. And then number mm-hmm. three, a little dog leg right par four, and I hit my shot and kind of cut myself off on the right-hand side, mm. as I tend to do. I tend to have a little bit left-right ball flight, mm-hmm. uh, a slice, in other words. I mm-hmm. uh, got to my ball just in the rough and looked around, and all of a sudden I look, and I heard a snort oh. off to my right, and there was this big bull elk mm. about 20 feet away from me. And I reached down, grabbed my golf ball, got in my cart, and zipped across the <laughs> fairway to the other side and said, I'm not playing my ball from there. I'll play it from over here, thanks. <laughs> Where you had a better angle at the pin. Where I had a better angle at the pin, but it was also for (laughs) self-preservation. Let's put it that way. When elk are rutting, I don't want to be in their their vicinity at all. Of course not. No. No. Well, duly noted. I'll look out for... (laughs) Watch out for them. Yeah. Looking forward to it, though. There you go. You'll you'll love it. It's a great... It's a... It's a great golf course. No. It'll be... It'll be wonderful. Well, again, okay, so we've been trying to wrap up this episode for a little (laughs) while now, but thank you so much uh, to our listeners for for tuning in. Uh, Thanks to our two producers as well. Uh, We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, cjwwradio.com. Yep. And a big thanks to you too, Les. You too, Mitch. Thank you very much. All right. We will be back next Thursday.